Hello, 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 and welcome to There's This Thing at Work, the podcast where we delve into the workplace issues that are usually swept under the carpet. We're here so you can stop listening to your friends, partners, and parents telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Tough situations need honest and direct answers, and in There's This Thing at Work, our panel of people experts are going to find them. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to There's This Thing at Work. I'm Tom Frayne, the Chief People Officer at Bold, and our mission is to bring affordable, renewable energy to the world. At There's That Thing at Work, our mission is to bring insightful people advice to your toughest questions. Uh, and I have a great panel here with me today to answer today's questions. So the first thing I'm going to do uh, is hand over to the panel to introduce themselves. I'm going to ask you guys to do this in alphabetical order, just to make sure that it's easy who's, who's first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, my name is April Williams. I'm a HR and talent consultant working primarily with tech startups and scale-ups. And I'm also a founder of Candid, which is a new podcast which we talk about. We have honest conversations with everything to do with HR. I think I'm next in the alphabet. Am I? Yeah. Uh, my name is Charlotte Hamill and I'm the COO of Born Social, a social media agency for businesses that want to think like David, not Goliath. Great. And I am Jessica Hayes coming at you from Pajama Town, 10 millionth week of lockdown uh, in the, the uh, capital city of the Netherlands, Amsterdam. I am the VP of people of Whereby, a remote first company bringing you delightful video uh, collaboration experiences. Thank you, guys. So super excited to have this panel. And the question we have today is uh, not just a real doozy. It's also asked by one of our listeners. So thank you. And please keep sending those questions in. Uh, It's, I can't get my manager to give me helpful, constructive feedback. They just give me useless comments. What shall I do? (laughs) Um, So I'm going to warm the panel up by asking you guys, what the most useless piece of feedback you've had over the course of your career is? It's actually quite hard because genuinely, I think I've been really lucky with who I work with. So, so I've had pretty good feedback. Um, I will, I will though put this in a in a sporting context because that's a good reference point that I've got. Um, I used to have a netball coach. I won't name her because she'll. They'll, I mean, she probably won't be listening to this to be honest. But just in case, <laughs> she might be. <laughs> She's quite terrifying. And she just used to shout, Charlotte, stop doing that. But you know, like, <laughs> what? And it's, I think the context that I would then reapply that to to a workforce scenario is if it's vague, like it, vague feedback is just so useless. Like literally say nothing. It's more valuable. <laughs> Understood. Although I will be using that during my facilitation of this podcast. <laughs> Charlotte, stop doing that. <laughs> uh, nice I got um I've, I've had a, a, a kind of patchy background with various managers and people I've worked with shall I wish I was as lucky as you I've had a couple of times where I've been managed by somebody that's given me feedback that's been questionable one of the ones that comes to memory is I was given feedback one time in classic kind of shit sandwich if I'm allowed to say that on air um, which I hate, by the way. But um, the beginning was great, lovely, lovely, as as usually it is. And then the middle bit, which I expected to be really bad, was you're very you're too diligent. You're a real corporate citizen. And I was like, what? 
how can, is that, I've never been called diligent in, as a criticism, as feedback to work on before. And I could never really just get to the bottom of what exactly was meant by that. Be more slack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, be more slack and less caring. (laughs) Thanks, It's because you're in (laughs) pyjamas. Yeah, I'm taking it on board now. 2020, baby. Yeah. I think for me, um, the worst feedback that I got, which didn't help me until later on in my career, was when I started um, in advertising. And my CEO always used to say, it's better to ask for forgiveness. It's better to ask for permission than forgiveness or the other way around it's better to ask for forgiveness ask forgiveness than permission yeah and I used yeah. to look at him and I used to be like what does that even mean I see I can't even say it <laughs> because I used to be like okay so how do I apply this to the document I've just sent you do you want me to do crap work and then say sorry like it just didn't help me oh in my I say give that feedback to my team all the time maybe I'm one of these people <laughs> that's interesting I think because Ultimately, what was it he was trying to say was like, go and do, be autonomous and do. You don't have to ask me for permission all the time. But saying it in a bit of a, say it in a pithy phrase made it unclear. Right. And saying it all the time just doesn't help, especially that was earlier on in my career. So if you're a junior and you're getting that kind of feedback, for me personally, it just didn't help me because I would just go back to the drawing board. contextualize. Yeah, I'll go back to the drawing board and I'll be like, what does that even mean? I can't even get the saying right, let alone apply it to what I need to do. So do I ask for forgiveness or do I ask for permission? Mm. <laughs> I will. Let's, um, let's make sure we ask for permission and forgiveness during this <laughs> during this podcast part of the reason I, I thought it'd be good to kick off by by talking about feedback itself is I think that little bit of conversation was a really good encapsulation of why feedback is really difficult um April you were saying that you received this piece of feedback that you found really unhelpful Jess you were saying that you give that feedback to your team all the time so like all the time all, already <laughs> like the ways in which um feedback is heard is really personal like there's so much stuff around feedback itself Jess you're yeah, what I was reflecting on as you were talking is probably there was something that your manager was trying to say to you or whoever it was who gave you that feedback about being too diligent, but they just couldn't quite bring themselves to express or find the words to say. Uh, and so you end up with this, with this useless piece of feedback and then, and then Charlotte, like getting unhelpful feedback that is framed in the negative is, is something that crops up for people all the time and is a massive blocker. So like, this is why this topic is so good, because feedback is a really tricky um, and really difficult and really personal thing. Um, but the question is about not getting the feedback that you need from your manager. Um, and it feels to me like the person asking this question is asking not necessarily just as a people person, but as a human being. Um, and so I think in this conversation, we'll talk a bit about what people teams can do to um, create great feedback cultures, but we'll also talk about what we as individuals can do to make sure we get the feedback that we need. Um, and I'm going to start there. So one of my thoughts about having a, a culture in which feedback is given is making sure there's a really clear and good relationship between you and your manager in which um, feedback can actually happen. So how have you guys gone about setting that up, either with people who manage you or with people you manage? I mean, that's a great question. I can I can kick us off. So we we do have quite a good um, 
I mean, I say it's good, but it, it's 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 really worked well for us at Bourne. Um, a structure that's regular, um, that has clearly labelled sessions where feedback can be given and received and discussed. So on a weekly, monthly and six monthly basis. So kind of various degrees of depth. What I would say is really, really important though, is that uh, feedback should not be reserved for those sessions. Those sessions almost guarantee an exchange in some way, shape or form. But feedback does need to be baked in at a cultural level. And, And in our company values, we made sure that feedback actually is mentioned and, and quite obviously attributed to a couple of them to really communicate to people that it's necessary, it's welcome, it is essential for our success as a whole business, not just as, as individuals. So I do think from a structural perspective, an organisation needs to really cultivate uh, a good relationship with feedback from as early as possible and bake it into um, process if possible too. That's that's really cool. Like how how do those rhythms work in a bit more detail? Because I, I bet you loads of companies and loads of HR teams will say we have all these processes and cadences that allow for feedback. And they would there would still be people in their organizations who feel the way that the person who asked this question does. Yeah. Yeah, happy, happy to share that. So I'll, I'll work backwards in, in a way. Um, so every six months you have a more in-depth performance review, which is what most businesses have in some form of, of structure for. Often it's annually, but we have uh, it every six months. Um, and that is a 360 feedback session. So you review yourself and then your line manager uh, reviews you using 360 feedback um, against the values of the company, but also your role deliverables. Then on a monthly basis, you have a monthly. <laughs> so yeah, it does what it says on the tin. And that is you kind of often take some of the discussion points that uh, are, are brought up in your performance review. But importantly, the monthly, the agenda for the monthly is set by the team member. It's not the business agenda. So the team member comes to say, this month I want to discuss X. Um, and often because some of the insights have come from that performance review um, and you can kind of weave in some of those feedback trends there. And then on a weekly basis, you have a weekly and that is right based on what my monthly goal is or my six monthly development area was um, this week towards that I'm doing X, Y, Z. And that's when, you know, as a line manager, you've got the opportunity to say, okay, if you're working on that this week, then you know, here's a bit of feedback that will specifically help you work on that area. Or it could be more general, but those are the, the cadences and the natures of which we use those, those sessions. So they kind of weekly is granular, monthly is a little bit deeper, six months is very deep. Um, but of course, we absolutely encourage just day-to-day conversations between that as well. But at the very least, you've got those sessions to fall back on. Understood. What do, what do others do to make sure that there's a culture of feedback happening all the time? I think for me, when it comes to giving, receiving feedback, you need to identify first what type of feedback that you want because there's so many different types of feedback out there. So I generally kind of break it up into three main types. So you've got appreciation type of feedback, so that motivates and encourages you. The coaching type of feedback, which helps you improve. And the evaluation type of feedback, so where you you know where you stand and what is expected of you. So just going back to Charlotte's point, in terms of kind of like your 
um, biannually feedback. That's more of an evaluation as where you stand and what's expected of you. And that could go into your monthly and your weeklies as well. But for you as an individual, when you're asking your line manager to give you feedback, you need to be quite clear of what kind of feedback you want. What is the objective of the feedback and how is that going to help you um, develop or feel appreciated or feel motivated. So for me, that's how I kind of coach my teams. If you're looking to get feedback from anybody within the business, it's outlining what type of feedback you need. How is that going to support you in your own development? And how is that going to support you in your growth as well? Nice. I really like that. Mm, same. I think for me anyway, when I'm building my teams, focusing just on like how I build their relationship to them, the biggest thing that I always put a lot of emphasis on is mutual feedback, right? Like I don't think you can have a relationship where feedback is entirely one directional. So um, I make a really big effort to make sure that I give them plenty of opportunities to uh, give me feedback, criticism, better ways to do things, coach me on areas that I don't know that they know more on. Um, and then what I find that that does is opening those kind of mutual connections is it builds a better culture of psychological safety. And I think all feedback really is underpinned by people feeling safe that they're not going to be retaliated against. And then that feedback is going to be taken on board, um, in the tone in which it was delivered, which hopefully is constructive and helpful and friendly and all those things. That's so true, Jess. Like you also then get the chance to set that example of how to receive feedback too. Totally. It's really nice. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes like a month or two of working with someone or even more before you actually should really be comfortable giving them like super broad feedback. Because a lot of people have like, I'm going to take this deep straight away, Tom, sorry, but some people have some real big past traumas with feedback and difficult management and feeling retaliated against. It does take people some time, I think, to feel like they can really trust that mutual two-way system. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're kind of talking now about psychological safety and fear and trauma. And I said one of the things that like really blocks people from having great great feedback conversations are, are, are exactly those kind of things. Um, so alongside role modeling, which we we kind of talked about, what else can you do if you spot that um, that either people or individuals within the organization are, are held back by some of those barriers? I mean. To start with, I think empathy is really important. I know it's incredibly frustrating when you do feel like you're getting useless comments, but trying to remember that it is hard to give and I'm sure is good, quite deep reasons behind why someone isn't giving you that feedback. So try and be patient and then maybe think about what you might be able to do to, to help them rather than thinking, I need this. Like, what can I do to help them give this is you know, feels like you're going to make some, some progress there. Um, and you know, you, you can start that with almost a broad conversation about what feedback is rather than going straight into giving and receiving feedback. You could potentially talk to that person about what feedback means to them. Um, is, you know, that's something that I think I've, I found helpful. And then you can kind of pinpoint maybe where they're, their views are different to what yours are around, you know, what feedback is full stop, let alone what good feedback is. Um, and I think that's quite, could be quite a good starting point. Mm. And I, I second that as well. And I guess it's also just understanding that with feedback all the time, it's difficult for both sides to be able to even have that conversation. So like Charlotte is saying, it's the empathy side as well, but also you being clear 
on what you want out of that. And going back to your why, why are you even having this conversation? And sometimes feedback has a negative connotation that you're going to receive bad comments, but sometimes your feedback could be good. It doesn't always have to be bad. And that can sometimes be a barrier as well if you're thinking that you're only seeking feedback and constructive feedback because it's a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. Constructive feedback could be, you're doing really great and you're doing really great because of X, Y, Z. So you can continue to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Than having constructive feedback to say you have to improve on on something. So just bearing that in mind. I guess I feel like um, lots of relationships between individuals and managers suffer from the lack of a contracting conversation up front. Uh, or like a really regular contracting conversation where you remind one another of your different styles, of what your needs are, um, either as an individual or as a manager, and what you need back from the other person in that relationship. And as human beings, like quite bad at having these conversations in our personal lives, sometimes it's also really tough to have them in in your professional life. Um, but it's never too late to do it, I think. And so trying to reset, if you're, if you're, um, getting feedback from your manager that you feel like isn't helpful, then resetting the relationship and establishing what helpful feedback would look like for you. Um, or even making it really easy for them and saying, I've got this piece of work coming up. I'd really like your feedback on it at the end. I'm telling you now so that you're paying attention while I'm doing it. Um, are some ways to like, to like just create different, um, approach. Yes. I think our job as people, people as well is like, rather than being involved in giving the feedback a lot of times, it's giving people the tools on how to do this better. And one of the things I've noticed over the years of assisting managers give better feedback is a lot of the times managers and particularly more junior managers are actually sometimes really busy managers struggle to figure out how to articulate what they're trying to explain with the feedback. Because sometimes feedback can be, it comes across as something small, like you make too many typos which is kind of an unhelpful piece of feedback because people don't notice they're making typos at the time. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? Buy a new keyboard? Like, what is this doesn't help me at all, right? Um, but what they're really trying to say is like, sometimes I feel like you favor pace and ex- over your quality of execution and sitting down to actually think about kind of the symptomatic, like the upstream problems there, that takes a lot of time and emotional energy. And I find often managers don't have that time and emotional energy to give, or they, they struggle to kind of channel it in the right direction. So one of the things I've found helpful is giving like a bit of a guide of if you're seeing these behaviors, this is what some of the upstream feedback may be. Like, does that match? And then the manager say like, oh yeah, actually that is what I'm trying to say. It's not about typos. It's about higher level attention to detail and prioritizing the right things. Um, so I think that can also be helpful as yourself or as a HR person, whoever wrote this in. Yeah. And I, I find that useful as well, Jess. So when I'm um, working with line managers, I tend to like to give people models and kind of like templates that they can use when they are struggling to put words into what they're trying to say is have models there. So at least both people on either side know how the conversation is going to be framed. So for giving feedback, I like I love the SBI model. So it's explaining the situation, the behavior, and then the impact. And that really allows 
like you like you're saying the line manager to really understand no it's not just typos it's actually your attention to detail that's the situation the behavior is you know the reputation that you have or how um communication might be difficult when you're communicating with external people and this is the impact it has on the business so then it allows the person not to take it personal as well they're just looking at it from an objective point of view versus a subjective point of view so I find having models like that really useful to frame discussions around feedback that impact piece is I I think really brilliant and often what gets what gets left out of feedback is because totally Without that, people can un- can't really understand the importance of why to change because they're just like it's just your opinion. Otherwise, like, <laughs> so I think yeah. un- communicating that impact, I think, is a is a really good bit of advice. And and if you're helping, trying to help someone give better feedback, if you get them to focus on explaining the impact, that might deepen the the yeah the description and the level of feedback that they can give you. Totally. Yeah, that's. Um... That's really helpful in all sorts of different ways, right? When you're helping somebody think about, I guess, when you're helping somebody think about critical or constructive personal feedback they need to give on someone's style, um, that point around impact is so helpful because you're probably describing someone's preferences, just some of the natural ways that they that they work or some of the default behaviors that they um, slip into when they're under stress or when they're working too fast. Um, and that can feel like someone's deep personality. But then when you start talking about the impact, um, it, it again, it probably helps like depersonalize it a little bit. I think sometimes the impact is is personal. Like, you know, I definitely have been in situations where we're discussing an impact that has made someone feel like that, which is, you know, is still sensitive. But I still think labeling it as a consequence or as a result of a behavior is still massively massively helpful so the impact piece doesn't have to be like an objective uh, yeah like you know but I, it's it's definitely it feels like to me like almost the key key of feedback is understanding yeah. that bit yeah and that also for me influences how you actually give that feedback to that person so if you're thinking about the impact then it's also a nice way to also think about how you're going to communicate that feedback and what that impact is going to have on that person receiving that feedback as a whole so i think yeah that impact piece is really important um on both sides actually i also often find that when someone's giving feedback i i'm always cautious to I find sometimes one of the mistakes people make is over-investing in lots of examples um, and getting really bogged into the detail of like, these are all the examples of times you've done this thing um, and kind of overlooking, as you said, Shara and April, the, the impact side of things. But I think if you oversaturate someone with examples as well, you end up getting really bogged down into the detail of like, oh, well, that day this other thing happened and then this, and then you start having conversations like detective work into what may have caused this. And it's like, it's such, it's such a useless exercise for everyone involved. And I almost say like often give as kind of few examples as possible to help someone contextualize times in which it's happened, but do everything you can to talk about things future focused from the moment of giving that example. Like do not focus a lot on like the situation and circumstance in which the example happened and what may have happened to them that day. Cause of course those things happen and um, but yeah, I, I find that can be really helpful as well to kind of get yourself out of retrospective detective work. Totally. Um, now we're talking about some of the cultural 
things that you can do to encourage feedback. Um, and I think we'll probably return to that in a sec. I want to bring us back to this individual person, right, who's sat there not getting the feedback they need from their managers, from their manager, sorry. Do we have any, like, top tips that you would give to an individual about something they can do? I'll, I, I can throw one in to start us off. Um, you, can, you can, like, give yourself feedback in the conversation with your manager, right, and say, I did this piece of work, I feel like I did this well, and I didn't do that so well. What do you think? And then you've opened up a conversation in which you're already constructive and you're getting some thoughts. Like that's a pretty simple way that you can try and do things differently. That's do, a great do, hack. People have other ideas about, about what nice. this person can do. That is a good tactic. Damn. <laughs> I do have one. I mean, actually, we've semi already talked about this a little bit, but it's ask a very specific question because I think a lot of people, when they're wanting feedback, they literally say, can I have some feedback? And that is so broad and quite difficult to, quite a challenging brief to get. Whereas if you say, if you come out of a meeting with your manager and say, can I try to explain X point to the client, for example, um, can you tell me if that was clear? And if so, why that was clear? Like ask it really specifically. And then it really just like narrows the pool of information that they've got to work with. So they can kind of go deeper on that. And that, that might help. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, just off the back of what both Tom and Charlotte said, um, taking ownership and creating that time. So, you know, when your next one-to-one is coming up, actually before that meeting, sending an email to your manager to prepare them. Because if you go into a meeting and you just get go, ready, she's coming. You give me feedback, you'd be like, what? Uh, yeah, it's still going to be crap, right? Because they're not prepared. But if you take that ownership and, you know, do everything that kind of Tom and Charlotte said, and then put that, pop that in an email or in a Google Doc or however you communicate before that meeting and say, in this meeting, I would love to carve out 10, 15 minutes to go through these particular points and be specific and be objective and be like, yeah, we're having this conversation on this day. <laughs> I also think this one of the helpful things is kind of combining, I think a little bit, Charlotte and Tom, what you've just mentioned. But um, one thing I like to do is get like a mutual Slack channel with a person that I struggle getting feedback from with like five or six other people, three or four other people that I think are really good at giving feedback and literally like send a piece of work I'm working on if it's like a Notion page or if it's after a meeting and just say like, hey, I think this went well and this didn't go well or this is a notion page I've made. I think some things are a little bit unclear. This is what I think I've done better here. What's everyone's feedback in this group? Um, and you'll find that people kind of pile onto each other and it helps contextualize for other people. They see examples of what good feedback looks like. Um, and then also it's a bit more of a kind of communicative group effort where feedback is much more safe. It's more of an open conversation about things. Um, I find that's been really helpful uh, with getting feedback out of one person. That's kind of a bit more, a bit less forthcoming. That's a great bit of advice. And the other thing I would add, and actually I talked to my husband about this, who was kind of, yeah, like struggling with this similar issue. And actually one night he came back and was like, got some really good feedback. And I was like, please tell me you told them that it was good feedback. (laughs) Because I think he got so overexcited that he got good feedback. He almost forgot to say that was really good. And it made me feel like this. And I was like, if if your manager knows that they nailed it and then you're buzzing off it, they're going to want to do more. But if you forget to tell them the one time they did do it, 
they're never going to totally. do it again. <laughs> so luckily, the, so luckily the chance is still there for your husband to go back when he's doing something differently based on that feedback and say, thank you so much for the feedback. I'm now doing this differently. Exactly. Charlotte, I really thought you were going to say that your husband was struggling to get feedback from you. Um, but if that's the case, I hope he's listening to this podcast and um, he's going he's gonna to get some helpful tips. No, he doesn't struggle to get feedback from me. I can tell you that for sure. I love that. Um, I'm going to, so we've taken this person who's asked this great question at face value, right? We've, we've taken their assertion as true that they are just getting useless feedback from their manager. Do we think there's anything that they might be doing? that is stopping their manager from giving them helpful feedback. Our beautiful listeners never. Oh my gosh. Our beautiful listeners. Yeah, like they're not taking ownership and maybe they are a barrier themselves. Maybe they're coming across as quite defensive. So if their manager is like, yeah, I do give you good feedback, they their communication style might be, you're just being negative, 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 and that's not good feedback for me. So it's taking ownership, like we've said before, being quite clear on what kind of feedback you want and how that's going to impact you would be super helpful and maybe bring down your barriers of being a bit defensive. Being a bit open to getting feedback might help. (laughs) Loads of times, I think, when we hear feedback, the real... um, that your natural response is to like respond to it really quickly. And often your response will then either be to explain why you did the thing that you did um, or to give some more information about why you did the thing you did, which is not intended to be defensive, but sometimes is really defensive. And so it's a weird thing to do, but um, something I like to try when I get either constructive or tough or even unhelpful feedback is to like go away and have a proper think about it Mm. and then come back to the person and say, I've thought about what you said and here are my reflections Um, Mm. because otherwise you can end up making it more difficult for people. Yeah, I know for me personally, I have, well, I have found and also my CEOs have told me giving me feedback is quite difficult because I have what we call a resting bitch face sometimes. And (laughs) they will start the conversation and my face is continue continue and it's not because I'm not open to the feedback but it's because I don't want to say anything at that point that's not allowing me to process the information so sometimes you need to really think about your body language so if you're taking ownership and you are taking control of when that when you are receiving that feedback it gives you time to prep that, okay, I've asked for this feedback. So when I go into this meeting, I need to ensure that my body language is open and receptive. And I have thought that the reasons why I'm getting this feedback is going to help me with X, Y, Z. So for me, when I know I've asked for feedback, I know when I'm having that meeting, whether it be in person or online, I know I need to fix my face (laughs) because that might put the person off. (laughs) I think this is this is going to sound mildly off piece, so just bear with me for a second while I mention this. So, I I love watching reality TV. I think watching reality TV is really good for people, people, because you get to see human beings interact in like, I think very genuine ways that you can learn a lot from. Like, oh, I wonder if I do that. One of my favorite shows I've watched recently is this TV show called Instant Hotel. If you haven't watched it, you should definitely check it out. It's extremely good and Australian. But anyway. In Instant Hotel, one of the most recent episodes I watched really taught me something about feedback. There was a couple that went into it and they honestly thought their Instant Hotel was the best thing in the world. They were going on that show because they wanted everyone to tell them how amazing their house was, right? And then when they came to the feedback session, 
everyone gave them kind of constructive feedback about things they could do better. And they so badly wanted to hear positive feedback that they couldn't even hear. They didn't want to hear. They were so close to it, the opportunity to improve. And watching that TV show, I was like, man, this is such a perfect analogy of sometimes you go in ready for feedback and what you really want to hear is not what you hear. And what you actually are hearing is super helpful, constructive and positive in every way. But because you're so set on hearing like your new careers page was incredible or that comms you put out was so well-structured that when you end up hearing, you just like close your ears to it. You're like, it's unhelpful. It doesn't help me. I don't like it. And I think that's something that, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's something that a lot of people do. They walk into feedback expecting one thing and they hear another. And then it's almost as if whatever they do here could never stack up. Um, so trying to keep an open mind, I think is helpful. And also watch Instant Hotel. That's my two top tips. Also watch Instant Hotel. It sounds amazing. It's really good. Um, look guys, we've had a great conversation about feedback. Um, it's been brilliant to address one of our listeners actual questions. And so I, I really hope that, um, that you keep sending in your tough questions for our panel, whether it's about situations you face as an individual or, um, changes you need to make in the culture at the places that you work. I'm really glad we roved all the way um, through the topic of feedback onto reality TV uh, and back again. Um, and I just want to say a big thank you to today's panel, April, Charlotte and Jess. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing you again next week on There's This Thing at Work. Thank you.